Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. You know, as we were worshiping, I, I just had a, I felt like the Lord was sharing something with me. And Pastor Crystal kind of touched on it when she said that the Lord has brought you here to rescue you. And I just felt like there's many that are questioning today, why am I even here? Why have I walked through these doors? Why am I sitting in these seats right now? I've come to tell you the simple truth. It's because he wants you. He wants you. You may not even know who he is, but he knows you. And he's been searching after you, and he's been moving heaven and earth for this moment right now. Jesus is going to impart life today. And if we would just come with the simple position of say, Lord, I receive He is going to change lives today. So would you pray with me as we just ask the Lord to position ourselves to receive what he wants to do here? Oh, Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that you would breathe on every life here. It may be for the first time. Or maybe it's another filling, Lord. But I pray today, God, that we would touch life today again. And I ask God that where there's dead bones, you would resurrect them. God, I pray where there's unbelief, you would bring faith, oh God. Lord, I ask right now that you would help us by your grace to to fix our attention on you. And Jesus, I pray that you would do the impossible. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. So I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Lord wants you to know that he's called you here. Whether or not you understand why you're here, it's because he wants you personally. Man, worship was, uh, worship was special today, huh? There was that moment where we just can't enter into this time of rest. Did you? I don't know if you remember that. It was a real sweet time of rest. And, uh, and we've shared this before. Sometimes we can get a little uncomfortable in that, in that time, right? We want to just keep running into the next song. But the Lord has shown me one thing. Jesus, we know he's king. But you know how he is positioned in heaven? On his throne? He's seated. He's seated because he's resting There's no chaos with him. We run around frantically, but Jesus sits on the throne. Jesus is our Sabbath. He is rest. And so if we are to spend time with him as we grow closer, we will find ourselves having to enter into that rest as well. His rest becomes our rest. It's so sweet. I want to talk with you today entitled The Breath of Life. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Can you turn there with me in your Bibles or you can look up on the screen? I'm going to read one scripture here. We'll move around a little bit today. We are not, we're not moving into a teaching series right now. I know a lot of times we, we do that, but I just, again, God's got us in a different season right now. And interestingly, as he keeps birthing these words, I, I see that there's connection and, and there's, a, there's a pattern in them. And so God is birthing his own <laughs> series right now. We always try to be led of the spirit when we do them, but, but this is truly God's just giving fresh words every, 
every week. And so if you were here last week, and you know we spoke about the importance of the presence of God, we are going to dive into an aspect of that again. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, this is entitled, The Breath of Life. This is in the beginning, the creation account. And it says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. So I'm going to just share for a few moments, and then I want to give time for us to, to pray at the end collectively. But here's what I want to share. The Lord God, it says, formed a man from the dust of the ground. The, the wording there that he formed is that of a potter making his masterpiece. But even more so, all of creation, all of the creatures outside of man were created or made, but not man. Man was formed. What it speaks to, what it implies is that the master of creation took his time with us. There is a, there's a gradualness to this. There is attention to detail. He is meticulous with us. He took his time to work through creating us. You think about man. You think about the complexity of our body. You think about the beauty of it. Every vein, every capillary. Our, our minds are more complex than any program system out there. Every part of us, the way we can fight off disease, is absolutely perfect and beautiful in every single way. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. What a beautiful statement that is. And this is before the effects of sin entered in. So think about this. Sin enters in and we see brokenness enter in. And because of that, we see man is broken in every way. We've talked about this over and over. We see mental brokenness, we see physical brokenness, emotional brokenness, and every way man has been tainted and tarnished by sin. But Adam, in this state, has not been touched by that. Why? Why is that important? Because I believe what the Lord was showing me is that Adam, his form and everything about him was absolutely perfect, except one problem. He laid there lifeless. Although he was perfect, although his form was perfect, he had no life without the breath of life coming upon him. Although he had the appearance of absolute beauty, he lied there lifeless until the breath of God began to breathe and the Spirit of God touched his life, and then he began to receive life. Let me share this scripture with you in Job chapter 33, verse 4. Look up on the screen. It says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Job 34, verses 14 to 15 says this, talking about God, if it were his intention, meaning God, and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to the dust. Do you see the connection between spirit and breath? It's, it's really the same word in, in Hebrew and Greek, spirit and breath. It is the breath of life. It's not just breath. He's not just giving a physical awakening. There's a spiritual awakening here. Jesus is not just bread. He's the bread of life. He does not just breathe. He gives us the breath of life. When, Jesus, when, when, when the Father created creation, it says what? And the Lord said. The Lord spoke. What does he do? Is he just speaking words and somehow they're coming together? No, no, no. When he speaks, it's life. It's spirit. 
There's life in his words. And when he speaks, it does the very thing it said it would do. And when he speaks over Adam and breathes life, the spirit on him, this beautiful being that was dead comes to life. You say, what's, what's the point here? What the Lord showed me is that we can have beauty without life. Beauty does not guarantee life. I think about my own life before Christ, and it was in every sense beautiful. I was doing the things I wanted to do. I was accomplishing everything I set out to accomplish. I was achieving all that I wanted to achieve except one problem. I never received the breath of life. Born again by the Spirit. And therefore, even on the outside, even though it looked so beautiful, even though it looked like all was well, I was dead on the inside. Don't, don't, don't miss this, that our life can look so pretty and so beautiful, but without the Spirit of God, there is no life in us. You go to any doctor, they'll give you the vital signs or, or the, the ways that you, you determine if someone is alive, and they'll go through every vital sign. Yes, they may be physically alive, but, but there is a, a, a spiritually alive. That's what I'm speaking of. The Spirit has to be born. You have to be born again. The Spirit must be breathed into man for you to actually have life. I think about our culture. In America, man, this is, this is a summation of, of, I feel like, our culture. We have more than we know what to do with. We have an abundance of things. We have food in our fridge at all times. We have a roof over our head. Some of us have multiple roofs, multiple cars. We have toys and gadgets, and that's all fine and dandy, but the one problem is don't mistake the fact that we can have beauty around us and think that we have life. Life comes only by the Spirit. And I, I say this next thing, not to make light at all, because I know some will do that and will say, well, they, they needed Jesus, we told them. But this week alone, we've had two famous people take their own life. That should get us to stop for a moment. These are people that travel the world. They have all that they need, more money than they know what to do with. But without the Spirit, without God himself, who is the source of life, there is no life. And that is why there's some, maybe even today, listen, God is going to breathe life on many people here today, I know it. That is why, that is why there, there are some that maybe right now say, yeah, everything looks good on the outside, but why do I feel this black abyss on the inside? Why do I feel like I'm dying? Why do I feel so empty? It's because you have no spirit. You need the spirit of God to be breathed into you in order to have life. It is, in essence, the rich man who came to Jesus and he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus knew what was going on here. He, he very purposefully takes him through this conversation and says, obey all the commandments. He says, I do that. And, or actually, he first asks, which ones? And Jesus begins to list through them. He says, I've been doing all those since I was a young boy. And this is what he says. He says, why do I still lack? Jesus got this man to confess the reality of a situation, which is that he obeys everything. He does all the right things. It may look good on the outside, but, it, but in the inside, he says, why do I still lack? Because he has no life. I believe that this is, in many cases, the, the picture of the Western church in many ways. Listen to me. I told you, we, we move in excellence. We should. We should use everything and, and anything that God has made available to, to preach the gospel and to reach people. Social media, you name it. We should do all of that. But listen to me. We can have the best social media campaigns. They can be perfect. We can have 
a technology system that is state-of-the-art. Our worship equipment can be the best. Our buildings can be beautiful. Every part of it is just, just right. And you can walk in and say, look at the beauty of this place. But without the Spirit being there, there's no life. You see, when people walk in here, yes, we should have things in order, and we should do our best to, to, to keep things in a, in, a, in a nice way. But at the end of the day, if there is no spirit here, there is no life. What will change someone who is dead is not seeing the beauty of the building. They need to encounter, encounter life himself in the name of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what it looks like on the outside. All this happens all the time. We work, we have leadership teams that come together, and again, we should be prepared and in order, but they sit down each week, and they go through the service, and they've got it down to a T. They know every, every minute of how it's going to be worked out, and they, and they work through it, and when it comes time to service time, they execute it with perfection. It's absolutely beautiful. The building is beautiful. The service is beautiful. Everything about it is perfect except one thing. There's no life there. There's no life. Beauty does not guarantee life. Ooh, there's life in there. <laughs> all of our strategies, which we should have, all of our uh, growth methods. Look, a church can be, have the best strategies. They can be growing. They can be trendy. They can be, that's great. But without God himself being in the midst of it, there's no life. No one is changing. It is the essence of 2 Timothy 3.6, which says this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. It says, have nothing to do with such people. Listen to me. This is so, so important. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. I don't know if there's a better definition for what religion is, which is to have the form of godliness, but there's no substance there. It's form without power. It's a building or a temple without the cloud, the presence. It's breath or it's speech without breath. It's beauty without life. We have the appearance. That's what it's saying, the appearance, the image that we're doing godly work here. But if you could actually look deep down inside, you say, wait a minute, there's no power here. There's no life change here. No one's, no one's, no one's being born again here. Why? Because there is no spirit working in the midst of this place. We can become so consumed with form and how it looks in our lives and in this place. We can give so much attention to detail to what we can control in our own power that we fail to fix our gaze and our attention on obtaining and enjoying the breath of God, which is life itself. And if we don't have God breathing on us personally and this place, no one is changing, no matter how beautiful it may be. Colossians 2, Paul talks about this very thing. I'll just reference it here, but Paul has the same idea. He speaks to a people that there's some that have infiltrated the church to add to the gospel. And they're telling all these man-made traditions that they must hold to. And Paul just basically says, listen, this whole idea of do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. He said it all has the appearance of wisdom, but it's self-imposed worship. It's false humility. And this is what he says, in the end, it has no power to restrain sensual indulgence. In other words, it has no power to restrain the flesh. 
And so we, we gather and we say, worship must look like this. If you're going to read a book, it must be this translation. We go through all these things that have beautiful form, but at the end of the day, it's Christ himself that is the power. And you know when you've encountered someone, they can have beautiful form and order in their life. But if you look at what's going on, they're still bound to so many things because the power is in Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's Jesus. And that's where he wants to take us to today. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus addresses seven churches. You guys ever read that? It's beautiful. God's been directing me there. I think we may do a teaching series in there coming up soon. But he addresses seven churches, and one of them is the church of Sardis. You guys know about this church? It's the church that really was dead. And this is what Jesus says to them. He says, I know your deeds. He says, you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. He says, wake up. Wake up because he wants to be with us. Listen to me. They have a reputation of being alive. What does that mean? They have an appearance. They have a form. I just wonder, my brains, I wonder if perhaps it's because they're engaged in many good activities outside of the church, which they should be. And so when you look at this church in every way, you say, this is an alive church. This is a church that, that is life-giving. But Jesus says, I see beyond all of that. I see to the heart of it. And he says, actually, you're dead. And you must wake up. May that word hit us as a body and personally in our lives. Because he loves us. And because he wants us to experience the fullness of him. Last year, when we were getting started to launch, we engaged in a lot of awesome things that we're doing again this year with festivals and whatnot. But again, just to bring some personal application here, we were doing the, um, we did a few beautification projects. We were planting flowers. And again, if you heard me speak, you know that I firmly believe that the kingdom of God is not just concerned with what we would say spiritual things, right? So it's more than just salvation. A healthy church and seeing the kingdom actually touch a place, you'll see change in, in all different areas. You'll see businesses flourish. You'll see homes that were broken down be repaired. All these things, that, that is a sign of, of, of the kingdom, heaven touching earth. And so we should be engaged in doing many activities to, to see that take place. But, but listen, I'm just making a point here that we could plant flowers from here across the island we could knock down abandoned home after abandoned home and build mansions here. But if there is no breath of God, there is no life. It can be beautiful, but still be dead. God, from last week to this week, I just hear stirring for God looking for people that would understand the value of, of him, his presence, that that's what needs to touch a place in order to see life change. I want to share this. How many of you know the temple was gorgeous? Solomon's temple, beautiful, right? I mean, it, it had every type of natural resource you could think of. Its floors were, were laid in gold, but as glorious as, as all of its furnishings were, what was more glorious was when the glory of God, the presence of God, fell in that, in that temple. But do you know that in, listen to this, I want you to follow me, I'm going to share a story. Do you know that in 70 AD, when the Romans came and they, and they ransacked the temple, and they went into the Holy of Holies, they said, nothing's here. There's no glory here. There's no presence here. You guys remember the Holy of Holies? You guys remember what that's for, right? It's, it's in the temple of God, there was a holy place and the most holy place. The spiritual leader, the high priest, was the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies. And one day of the year, he would go before the people 
on behalf of the people into the Holy of Holies. And he'd have to go through this whole, I want you to follow this, he'd have to go through this whole religious uh, system or, or, or ritual. He'd have to put on certain clothing. He'd have to go through certain sacrifices. He would, uh, he would have blood on his hands. And then they would take dried pomegranate um, berries. It would kind of rattle like beads. They'd put it around his ankle. And I shared this one time before. They'd actually put a rope around his ankle as well because when he entered into the Holy of Holies, if there was any sin and if he was unclean at all, he would drop dead. In the presence of God. Because in the Holy of Holies was the untarnished, pure, manifest presence of God. Over the Ark of the Covenant with the mercy seat and the two cherubim. And if a, if a high priest entered in their spiritual leader and he was not clean, he could die. The problem is no one could go in to get him. So they'd have to drag him out by this rope. And so when they go in 70 AD to, to ransack this temple, there's no glory there. There's no presence there. Listen to me. Do you know that even before that, the presence must have left? Because when Jesus died on the cross and the veil was torn from the top down, now it's highly symbolic, but no one died from the manifest presence coming out. Why? It, was, it wasn't there anymore. It hadn't been there. Do you know that it's even before that that it left? Do you know that in 63 BC, there's a Roman general by the name of Pompey. We have diaries from him. He actually, we have diary accounts of him writing, I can't wait to go into the Holy of Holies to see this glory that everyone talks about. And in his diaries, they have accounts of him getting to the temple. He says he tears the veil open and he says, there's nothing here. It's an empty room. There's, there's no glory. There's no ark. There's nothing. And biblical scholars debate over this. We don't know for sure, but it's probably hundreds of years before that that God's presence actually left that room. But I want you to think about this. That means for hundreds of years or tens of years, every that day of the year, Yom Kippur, the high priest, would put on his garments. He'd do the sacrifices. He'd put the blood on his hands. He'd put the dry pomegranates around his ankle. They'd tie the rope around his ankle, and he'd go into the Holy of Holies. But there was no presence there. And everyone around just went along with it, going through the motions and routine and no one stopping to say anything. And they just continued to, he went in there like, a, like an actor in an elaborate play and he did everything just right. But the presence of God was no longer there. And I wonder if that happens a lot in our day in just a different way. That the, the pastor, guilty, can spend hours upon hours of writing the perfect message and getting it just right. The worship team perfects the set before they get here. Everyone is in their positions in the hospitality team to serve just right. We set up everything. It looks beautiful. We've, we've bought new banners. Everything is just right. The coffee bar is ready. We have the service. We leave. We get in our cars, and we say we've pulled off another service, and no one asks, was the glory of God there? Was his presence there? Or did we just go through the motions? Now, we may say that this is old covenant, pastor. We're in new covenant. That's true. We don't go into a temple. God is with us. He's in us when you are in Christ. But I want you to hear this. Before we move on, I want you to hear this. It is very possible to have a positional reality. In other words, it's very possible to have something that's true about you, but not walk in it. Paul said, Paul said it is for freedom that you have been set free. Therefore, walk in your freedom. What's the implication? You can be free and not act like it. Likewise, the holy presence of God lives inside of us. 
And God calls us to activate this, to give attention to it, that that would be priority when we come here to gather, that we're all saying, God, we want to walk in the authority and the power and the anointing that you have given to us. And it's very possible to come in here and be satisfied with systems and programs and organizations and then just leave and never say, wait, but did we see the glory of God? So here's what I want to do. I want to share two things that are going to lead us into prayer here. And the first, I want to just speak to those who don't know the Lord at all. Because I believe that God wants to, to awaken you today. And what I share, I'll, I'll put it this way. When God breathed on Adam, he received life. But in the very next chapter, in Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world. And God said, if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Death and how? Physical, and there was a spiritual death that took place as well. If you look through the Old Testament, it is a picture. The Old Testament is a picture of man craving and longing to have that life again. The prophets of the Old Testament, Isaac, Ezekiel, they all prophesied. They longed for the day when God would pour out his spirit again and be inside of man. They, they spoke about it over and over. The prophet Joel that, that Peter speaks about at Pentecost says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on sons and daughters and they will dream dreams and have visions. Home church, do you know that we live in the last days? Jesus has come. He has died. He's been buried, resurrected, and he has been glorified. And because he's been glorified, the spirit has been poured out. And anyone that calls upon the name of Jesus, who says, my life is dead and empty, shall be filled and have new life. And God will fill us again and again, over and over. This is what Jesus spoke about in John chapter 3. Nicodemus, a religious leader, comes to him at nighttime. He couldn't come during the day, but he was drawn to Jesus. And he comes and he begins to speak to me, ask questions. And Jesus essentially gets the point and says, Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And Nicodemus said, what are you talking about, Jesus? I need to go back into my mother's womb? He says, no, listen, everyone has had a natural birth, a water birth. Everyone in this room right now has had a natural birth. But he says, unless you are born again of the Spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. He says, flesh and blood will not see it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that our physical body, that it's going to be done away with, but our spiritual body will be resurrected. And unless you have the spirit, there is no life then. No matter how beautiful the life may seem, no matter how perfect it may seem, there is no life, there's no life without the spirit. And so in John chapter 20, verse 22, hear me on this. John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus says something incredible. Right before he ascends to the Father, he goes to his disciples and it says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I just want you to see this full picture here. It's the same wording that took place when God breathed on Adam. And everything that sin had destroyed, Jesus has restored and redeemed in a greater way. And it is the same picture of God once again breathing on man to give him life. It is the picture of what is to come at Pentecost when the Spirit of God is poured out. Through Jesus, we can have life again. He is our substitute. Jesus goes to the cross and breathes out his last breath so that we can receive the breath of life. 
And the beautiful picture is whatever God breathes on will come to life. He took dust, dirt, soil, and breathed on it and made man. It says in the book of Ezekiel that Ezekiel prophesied by the Spirit, spoke life over dead bones. Dead bones came to life. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what you've struggled with. I don't know what you've done. You may right now say, I don't want anything to do with this. But if you open your heart up to the Lord, whoever God breathes on will experience new life. He will bring life out of the death that you are currently experiencing right now. And the beautiful thing is, he desires to do this. He desires to do this. I heard it once said by Dan Moeller. He said that sin evicted God from his home. But he paid a high price to move back in. He gave up Jesus Christ to move back in. God desires to fill and live inside of you and give you life. Do you know that God can live anywhere he wants in this world? If God would want, he could turn the hearts of man or just speak it into existence. He could build a mansion of the most beautiful gold and everything else on top of a mountain where the north, south, east, and west all come together for all of man to see. And we'd say, there's the, there's the house of God. But God chooses to live inside of us. He wants to live inside of you. He wants to fill you. And so for the first person that we're going to pray with at the end of this is those that don't know Jesus. That you would see that as you confess your death without him, Jesus wants to fill you and bring new life to you. I promise you, your life will never be the same. Can you imagine what Adam saw for the first time going from lifeless to the breath of life coming in and he could see? Anyone who has been born again knows that understanding where you begin to see things differently. Your purpose changes. Your desires change. Everything about you changes when the breath of life comes on you. And the second thing I'll share that I want to pray for people is you may be asking, okay, I've, I've received that. I'm born again, but is there more? Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's written in a present tense. It means be continually filled. God wants to continually fill us again and again and again. And it's in that filling, in that breathing, where we see God empower us. We see God release gifts that we have that we don't even know about. God wants to take you deeper and deeper and deeper. But the other side of this that I want to share with you is there are some who are in Christ. You've received this life, but right now you say, but why do I feel so dead right now? I feel pretty, pretty pretty lifeless, and I know that he's in me, but what's going on? And I, I want to just share this as we close here. This is what the Lord, the Lord showed me to explain this. Um, I'm going to use, uh, use Brittany, for example. Just stay right there, all right? <laughs> Very simple, but I'm going to breathe. Ready? <sighs> did you feel that? No. She did not feel that. Negative. <laughs> Why couldn't you feel that? Because really I'm really far away. Listen to me. The reason why some feel dead in here, listen, this is really important, is because in order to feel the breath of someone, you must be close to them. You must be close. Listen, God uses, I think, a certain imagery. This is what he's showing me. He uses this imagery of breathing because in order to experience that breath, we have to be in close proximity with him. And if we allow busyness and all these other things to distract us and pull us away, you will experience this spiritual suffocation, if you will. 
and you'll feel that there's this emptiness starting to grow. Even though you're his, there's something that's longing for a fresh breath of life. And God wants to call those back today that are experiencing that to come near to him, to initiate something that would become a lifestyle for you, that as you continually draw close to God and experience that breath, you will see new life again and again and again as Jesus breathes on you. It is the essence of the living union with Christ. Christianity is not a label that we come under. It's a union that we become a part of. And as we stay connected to him and to the source, we continually have new life being fed into us. I'm going to ask the worship team, except for Caesar, to come forward. Do you know that everything that God does is about intimacy? That's why, that's, why, that's why he uses the imagery, I think, of breathing. He doesn't send a rushing wind. It's a breath because if you're too far from him, you won't feel that breath. So he uses that picture that you have to come close to him to experience that breath again and again and again. And if you look throughout the word of God, this is the example that God uses. How many of you know that conviction? Conviction, we say, man, that's a terrible thing. Conviction, no, it's actually glorious. As we're moving on a path that's further away from God and we feel this emptiness, God convicts us to bring us back to show us our emptiness is because we're on a path that's leading us further from him. Why? Because he wants to be closer to us. Why does he call us to confess? Because there's junk in our life that's, that's getting in the way of our intimacy. So he asks us to confess so that we would be close with him. Why does he allow us to go through affliction and face suffering at times? It's because in affliction, David said it's in his faithfulness that he allows us to experience affliction. Why? Because it draws us back to him. Everything God does is to bring us back to him so that he can continue to breathe life. Because he is the source of life. And if we allow busyness and everything else to keep us away, you will begin to feel that, that suffocation. You'll feel that craziness. One person sets you off, you just explode. But as you get back into his presence, day after day, and you sit there, and you rest with him, and the breath of life begins to speak over you and fill you again and again, all of a sudden things begin to change in you. He's the shepherd that speaks with a small, still voice. Why does he do that? Because you have to come close to hear it. If you're running around too crazy, you'll miss it. He speaks with that gentle voice so that you have to slow down and come before him to hear it. If we are not continually staying close with him who is life to allow him to continually breathe on us, we have nothing to offer to anyone else then. When an airplane is about, or let me say this way, hopefully you haven't experienced that, but if a flight attendant gets on before the, before the plane takes off and they go through their whole spiel on what you need to do, and they said in the case of emergency, if the air mask dropped down, what do they say with the parents and kids? Parents first, because if you're suffocating, you can't help your child. Listen to me. God wants us to learn the art of getting before him in his presence to breathe in the breath of life over and over and over again because it's only then that we have life to give to others. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. 
If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.